Welcome, everybody. Good to have you with us. Welcome to Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update providing up-to-the-minute information on interest rates, loan programs, and hot industry news, all related to the mortgage industry. Brought to you by Transformational Mortgage Solutions. To participate in today's program, our guest call-in line is 646-716-4972. Now here's your host of Lickin' on Lending, David Lickin'. Let's begin. Welcome, everybody. Good to have you back on the podcast. We were at the National MBA Conference in San Diego last week. It was over the top good. I was just talking to Alice about the Empower event on Saturday and how absolutely inspirational it was and how excellent it was. Lisa Sun's story was so good and just was riveting. Spoke with no notes and just poured out her life story in a way that had us all laughing and crying. Uh, they said, what is it? A good book or a good a movie has you laughing and crying with some regularity. Well, it absolutely worked. So it was good. Great conference. And I wish you all could have been there. I was really debating whether or not to go. Honestly, I was looking at it. It seemed like there's a vast majority of vendors that are going to be there. But I ended up going and the MBA met their quota. It was well attended all the way through. And the meetings were kind of some of the over-top meetings I've had. So it was really, really good. One of the meetings I did was I caught up with Michael Frattentoni, and we talked about his economic forecast, and we also got into some other really interesting dialogue, and I recorded it. And that's going to be our Hot Topic segment today. So be sure to stay tuned all the way through to the Hot Topic segment. If you're listening on a downloaded basis, make sure you move over to that one after this podcast. Again, this podcast is created by Mortgage Professionals. It is for Mortgage Professionals. We're so grateful to have you as our listener in our commitment to bring you timely information in an audio format that you can listen to anytime and anywhere. And what better time to be listening to this podcast when we just get back from the conference? I'm going to share with you some of the things that we heard a lot of that I thought was real interesting, but we'll do that a little bit later in the podcast. So some of the things that leaped out at me, Malcolm Gladwell. Oh my gosh. Listening to him was so good. There was a number of speakers that were just outstanding, but guess what he said? I'll share this before we move on. But what was really interesting, he said that when he was in DC, he rode the train or the subway. And then when he was in New York, he rode the train. He said for the longest time, everyone would be holding a book or something and we're reading but in recent years, that has shifted to the vast majority of people now are listening to this what? Podcast. So we saw people not holding papers or books, and they're listening. And he's going, I got to ask you. So we started asking people, Can I, do you mind if I ask you what you're listening to? And he goes, it, a podcast. It's a really good podcast. It's about this, or I have an interest about that. And he realized if he, as a writer, wants to stay relevant, he has to go to where the audience is. And he says, if they're doing podcasts, I need to start doing podcasts. I don't believe books are dead. Neither do I. I agree with him on that. But to draw them to my books, I need to do a podcast. So he has launched podcast. It is the number one podcast, I believe, in the world. And you have to pay $4.95 a month to listen to it. It is so good. So anyway, we had a great time there. So podcasts are ruling. And we're so thrilled to have you as our listener here listening to this one. Well, thank you to the Industry Syndicate. They do a great job of promoting our podcast as well as a lot of others. Go check out industrysyndicate.com to learn more. Again, shout out to the MBA for all that they do for our industry. It was so good. Be sure to sign up for the Mortgage Action Alliance app, Open Doors Foundation. Oh, my gosh. We're going to go have a podcast when we get closer to the holidays talking about the Open Doors Foundation and what they do for families who have children that were going through some real health issues. And as a result of those health issues, 
they had to stop working or they had to go be at the hospital full time. If you have a young kid and then it's in the hospital with a terminal disease, yeah, you're not going to be working. You're going to be at the hospital. You want to be there for every moment of everything as it turns. So they talked about that, and that's what Open Doors does. It helps families going through particularly difficult circumstances in their lives to keep them in their homes, keep their mortgage payments current. Again, another one of those inspirational things. Also, I want to say big shout out to Finastra. So grateful to have them as a sponsor. Their mortgage bot solution is really powerful when it comes to receiving, managing, storing, and retrieving data, as well as delivering loans and doing so through electronic documents. They've got a great paperless environment that they've created. Also, Lenders One. Got to see Justin Demolia and everyone there from Lenders One. So grateful, as well as the Mortgage Collaborative. Went to their party, had a great time. Seeing David Kittle and the team there at Mortgage Collaborative there. Uh, both of these co-ops are doing really, really well. I encourage you to check them out. More and more lenders are becoming members of both of them, which we are. And I like to think it's because they've heard that here. Look at Lenny and my recommendation to become a member of both. Also, there's the Community Mortgage Lenders Association. Grateful for their sponsorship as well as Incelerate. Josh Friend has created some great technology that's revolutionizing how lenders interact, communicate, engage with borrowers before, during, and after funding, all the way through. Great power experience. We talk about a user experience, UX, and he's got it down with what he's doing. Check out the podcast we did with him back in June 21st. We have recorded a number of podcasts with Josh, and I encourage you to check those out. Also, Knowledge Group, Ken Perry. Ken and I are part of a mastermind group together called 7A, and we had a reception hall. My gosh, Ken is so talented in his team. The creativity that goes into training. It's called edutainment. Make it educating but entertaining. Bring the two together. So looking for help and creativity, check out knowledgegroup.com. Also, Mobility MMI, the mortgage market intelligence platform, as well as Modic. Both of these are companies do similar things, and they're a good complement to each other. We recommend you have a subscription license with both of these entities, Modic and Mobility MMI, to do recruiting. Also, SnapDocs is our newest sponsor. I want to say a special thank you to Rob, Aleph, Alice, Alan, Matt, and Jack for their participation in the podcast. I don't know if Jack's going to be joining us today or not, but it's always fun to have him join in uh, with us. Let's get over to Rob Van Rapphorst with this week's MBA Mortgage Minute. Rob? Hi, I'm Rob Van Rapphorst. Welcome to the Mortgage Minute and the latest news from the Mortgage Bankers Association. Last week at MBA's annual convention and expo 2021, FHFA Acting Director Sandra Thompson announced two steps towards advancing housing sustainability and affordability. First, the GSEs will incorporate desktop appraisals into their selling guides for many new purchase loans beginning in early 2022. Second, the GSEs will expand certain eligibility requirements for their refi now and refi possible offerings. And according to MBA's latest forbearance and call volume survey, the total number of loans now in forbearance has decreased to 2.21% with an estimated 1.1 million homeowners in forbearance plans. That's it for this week. Thanks for joining me. Good job, Rob. Great seeing him and John Meacham and so many there at the team. So anyway, appreciate the relationship with the MBA. Let's get over to Les Parker with the TM Spotlight and this week's macro view of the markets. Les? Spot News. Why you want to give us a runaround? Is it a surefire way to speed things up? When all it does is slow their down. TM Spotlight Soundbite. 
is brought to you by PowerSeller, making hedging easy. When rates rise sharply, the cost to reduce risk rises. Hitting old value levels between 170 and 195 in the 10-year yield makes it hard for rates to rise quickly. Last week, the bears and bulls received friendly and unfriendly news, so bearish momentum slowed down while the bears kept their trend intact. The news of Evergrande making a delinquent payment helped slow down the bond bears, too. But all the Chinese Communist Party said is it intends to work it out. So expect more drama ahead. All drama does is slow bears down. These views are my own. Know the runaround. Sign up at tmspotlight.com. Yeah, good job. Russ Parker and Gary Kentrabone for collaborating on those spots. Appreciate it. Make sure you check out that tmspotlight.com free newsletter. You can get the paid version at no cost by putting the word power for power seller in the code. So be sure to sign up for tmspotlight.com. I've been reading it for, gosh, 38 years, and I love it. And I love what Les produces. Very insightful. Matt Graham is here, founder and CEO of MBS Live with his market update. Matt, good to have you here with us, friend. Hey, good to be here. Yeah, it's good. I love it. I received so much feedback, you joining us and the excellent job that you're doing and how informative it is and then how many people absolutely love mbslive.net. Great. You're doing a great job. Got a lot of friends out there. You, you tell those four people I love them, too. <laughs> those four of you are too fun. It was a lot. I couldn't believe it. It's one of those things where I guess it's the appropriate place to slip that in. Our podcast is listened to. And it was so overwhelming. I did not realize the extent of the listenership we have. And it became so evident with all the people. And I mean, a lot of people coming up and introducing themselves. And from morning to night at every meeting I'm in, it was, we didn't get through a meeting without somebody stopping in and introducing themselves and saying how much they enjoy the podcast. So thank you listeners. Appreciate it very, very much. But Matt, they commented about you and how much they like you. So let's get about what they love you commenting about. What's going on in the markets, friend? Yeah, so I think it's been at least uh, two weeks since we talked, and a lot has happened in that time. And interesting stuff, wild stuff, stuff that sort of foreshadows more drama ahead. And I think what's most fascinating right now, and we have to take a moment to go over a little bit of backdrop, is that we have a, a situation that in many respects is similar to 2013 when it comes to Fed tapering. But there are some key differences this time around, too. And it is sort of all so sudden because I think just a month ago, well, a month, four days ago, we weren't necessarily thinking that we were going to see a tapering announcement from the Fed by November 3rd. And now a month and three days later, it is pretty much a certainty. And that fact has driven a majority of the bond market volatility. And then it's been joined by some other stuff as well. But it's making things interesting. So just to recap what happened, September 22nd, Powell press conference after the Fed announcement, and he says that the tapering is going to happen probably by the next meeting unless the next jobs report is really, really awful. And uh, the market sold off a little bit, then it sold off some more the next day. And heading into that jobs report, things kind of ramped up and the market was waiting to see if that jobs report would be strong enough to make tapering a certainty. It was sort of so-so and bonds corrected a little bit, but not enough to suggest that the market was discounting tapering at this point. And so then the sell-off continued. We saw inflation expectations ramp up and we saw yield curve trading get pretty crazy. And what that means is traders aren't necessarily saying, I like bonds or I don't like bonds. They're saying, 
I really hate the shorter term bonds and I like the longer term bonds relative to that. So if you're doing what we normally do and benchmark the mortgage market bond following with something like the 10-year treasury yield, you're not really seeing as much drama as has existed in the treasury market. There's been a ton of drama in five-year notes, for instance, which continue to surge to their highest levels in a long time even though 10-year yields are still under their levels from March 2021. You also had falling COVID case counts, more booster information rolling out, higher oil prices, inflation reports coming out saying that inflation was higher. And that all that in conjunction added up to incontrovertible taper on November 3rd. And Fed Chair Powell did as much as confirm that last week. And it just sent yields even higher. And by Thursday, we Broke into 1.70 in the 10-year, corrected a little bit, but it hasn't been enough to derail this trend toward higher rates. So bottom line to all that is starting September 22nd, the bond market began a sort of exodus. It can't immediately press a button and take yields from 1.25 to 1.75, but it started that ball rolling. And we've seen a very, very linear trend channel with higher highs and higher lows pointing directly toward 1.75. And if the pace were to continue, then we'd be there by November 3rd rather easily. Of course, being at 1.70 last week is close enough for some people. And it's leading some pundits to say that, that we're going to see some support here. We're going to bounce. That doesn't really matter in the bigger picture. What matters is whether or not the current environment plays out by 2013. And here's the really interesting thing. And I posted a couple charts about this on MBS Live last week. Mm -hmm. You would think that when we talk about the Fed and bond buying, that when the Fed is buying bonds, that rates are moving lower in general. And that when the Fed stops buying bonds, rates would move higher, right? Yeah. I mean, that makes sense to you, yes. you got it? Yep. It turns out it's exactly the opposite. And it's so confusing, right? But if you think yeah. about what the Fed's goal is, and we tend to sort of write it off as lip service, but the goal with all of this QE is reflation, right? To bolster inflation and risk-taking, and those things are bad for bonds in general. So the market does a really, really good job of getting ahead of what it knows is coming. So if it thinks or knows that the Fed is going to be buying bonds, it will rush to get ahead of it. So in March 2020, it rushed down to all-time low yields because the Fed was obviously going to be announcing bond buying. And every time that QE has been shut off, we see yields begin to drop. And the same was true in 2014. So as soon as the Fed begins tapering in the past or discontinues QE in the past, that's when yields fall. It'll be very, very interesting to see if that happens this time around because it is not the same situation as we had historically. There is potential for the economy to grow. It will depend on inflation remaining in check, and that will depend on oil prices. It will depend on the global economy. Foreign central banks are getting more scrutiny than normal from U.S. traders. And the whole thing, I mean, it's terribly interesting right now. Real quick, this week, just keep an eye on GDP on Thursday. Yep. I normally poo-poo the GDP data because it is very, very stale. This is one of the three times per quarter that we get it where it will be the least stale. So this is advanced mm. GDP. It's the first look we have at Q3. We'll get to see what that delta damage is like. And then inflation the following day can either add to that or sort of push back in the other direction. Good job. A lot of good stuff. Great information here. I mean, the fans that you have out there, Matt, are, again, like I said earlier, it's just amazing. All you all have a lot of friends out there and listen to a lot and downloaded a lot. I went and looked at the statistics on yours and people do really, guess what they listen to you and they go back and listen to you several times. How about that, Matt? No, I guess I need sure. to be more clear then. You get my point <laughs> across the first time. Anyway, be sure to be listeners. Go sign up for MBS live.net using LOL for looking at lending as a signup code and you'll get an extended trial period that's no credit card required, although you want to put your credit card in because you're going to want
want to get subscribed to the service. It's that good. You can glean so much out of this. And it gives you great tools. If you're a loan officer, if you're a production person, running a company, managing interest rate risk at your company in secondary, this is a powerful tool. And I strongly encourage you to sign up. Matt, thanks for being a part of the podcast. I appreciate you and all that you bring to help us in achieving excellence. You're good, man. Appreciate you. Appreciate you, Dave. Have a great one up there in Portland. Alice Alvey, good to have you here. Oh, we missed you, Alice. We missed you at the conference so much, especially at the Empire event. Well, it's good to, good to have you here. Again, like Matt, such a large community of people that out there that value you. And I had so many people at Empire said, I haven't seen Alice here. Is she here somewhere? And I said, no, she couldn't make it this year. But, oh, you have such a large following of uh, faithful listeners. In our listener community, you have so many people that just adore you, love you. But, Alice, I was thinking about you when Secretary Marsha Fudge She's the 18th Secretary of the Department of Housing and Urban Development, HUD. She spoke, Alice. It was inspirational. She just like ran a revival there. It was over the top. She was evangelical, quoting the Bible, standing on just saying what she believes in and how we're going to do this. If we can put a man on the moon many years ago, we can increase housing there. It's just it was amazing, Alice. It was so much fun. But I thought of you several times, uh, both at the conference and these sessions. We missed you there. That sounds amazing. I wish I was there. Well, she's got to be super happy about the new money that's coming FHA's mm-hmm. way, at least as far as we see things are moving so far that it looks like the appropriations for HUD will go up by, I think it's an increase of over $5 billion with a focus on giving them the technology that they need. We have, as an industry, been advocating for them to be able to upgrade. It's amazing some of the things that they can't do with their own data. We have to still send them Mm -hmm. copies of things that we did in their system. So we're excited for them and her leadership. So glad that was excellent. I'm sorry I missed it. Would love to have you there. But you've got some updates for Um, us. I do. For this update, I just want to elaborate a little bit on what was in another part of the conference was when Sandra Thompson got up there. And as Rob was talking about earlier in their brief update, it's one sentence in the update, but it's a lot of implication to the industry. And that's that Fannie and Freddie talked about that they will be incorporating desktop appraisals again for new purchases beginning in early 2022. And so what this essentially means, for those of you who remember the old 2055, of course, it wasn't that old. We used a little bit during COVID, but we used it a lot many years ago. It was a prominent way to get an appraisal, which essentially is the appraiser doing just more of the basic work and not actually having to go into the home. And this makes a big difference, especially for rural properties. It it does increase the ability of the number of appraisals for an appraiser to complete. But the trick is early 2022. Well, when is that? Is that January or March? None of us know. It says for new purchases. So purchase transactions only appears to be the starting point. And we don't know what LTVs or any other criteria. Folks know that today for rate and term refinances, you're upwards of 70%, I think was one of the last statistics that I saw. The minute there's a good 80 to 70% LTV on the property, there's very likelihood that you will get an appraisal waiver today. So we're hoping to see a combination of relief between appraisal waivers as well as being able to put the 2055 more meaningfully back into the process to help ease some of the appraisal pressures that we've been experiencing now for the last couple of years. So mm-hmm. very interesting. It was good. Sent me back looking through some of the comments on their request for information on this topic that came back in December and all through the 
the beginning of the year, all throughout the industry, different participants were sending in their responses to that on the direction they thought the agencies should go in. I was reading NAR's comments. They've got 1.4 million members. It's a big group with a big voice, and they weren't a big fan of appraisal waivers. They like having someone go out to the house check the condition of the property. So even though there's a lot of stress to get appraisals done, not everybody's for just doing drive-bys. They really believe that with the older housing stock, we really should have someone check the condition of the property each time. So still more to come, but at least one step in the right direction, but not for probably several, several months before we see that coming into play. So just wanted to let everybody know that was it. It was one sentence. (laughs) We haven't heard anything more. There's not a whole memo to answer all of our questions yet, but we will keep listening and let everybody know when we hear more. So that was it, Dave, back to you. Yeah, I mean, there were so many aspects of what was being announced and the cheers that went up. I think the thing that was probably most interesting about what Sandra Thompson talked about was the desire to expand the number of people that we have in home ownership. And she's one of the ones that spoke again in a slightly different style, but was very pro getting back to the point where we have more inclusion in our home ownership. But she stressed, as we do this, we're going to make sure that we have it done in such a way as to not cause for adverse effects on delinquency. So in other words, we're not going to give away money again. We're not the fog the mirror and stein here kind of program. So it's how to do that, mm-hmm. but she's really eliciting everybody's uh, thoughts on it. So we're going to be working on getting them, uh, both Sandra and Director Thompson, I should say, be respectful there, as well as uh, Secretary Fudge on the podcast and talk more about this. I know they can they stick Alice very much to a script that'll give us a chance to hear one-on-one on this. So they both agreed to come on and looking forward to it. So, great. Yeah, we'll looking get a forward to, to it. it. Yep, yep, yep. Thank you, Alice, for the great job. Alice Alvey, CMB Vice President of Education and Training at the beloved Union Home Mortgage. And uh, we're grateful to have your legislative update. Thanks, Alice, so much. Let's get over to Alan Pollack. Alan is here with this week's tech update. Alan, it was good seeing you at the conference. Likewise. It was great to see you, David. As always, you're surrounded by a following of people that all want to talk to you at the same time. (laughs) It was good to spend a minute with you and see that that you've got a lot of fans out there. The program's got a lot of fans, which is great. It was actually funny. I figured out who one of our random text message listeners are, which is great to find out a face to the name. But (laughs) the conference is good. I've I've got a a quick little summary of some things that, that I felt were relevant about the conference and that I've heard talking to folks. Here they are. It's kind of interesting. I think technology still has a direction, David, and still has a purpose. The mm-hmm. focus seemed to be more aligned with the needs, though, instead of people just building technology because it's cool. People are building things that are relevant and that lenders and others want to use. Everyone, I think, agrees that the pandemic had us looking left, then we ran right, then we were looking behind us, and then we'd run ahead fast again and <laughs> do that all over. And I think that caused a lot of folks to build some things that may turn into debt in the future. But I will say that tech partners are more than ever more engaged with each other than ever before. If you sat in a meeting and you talked to a tech vendor and you talked about other vendors you have, either they already are integrated or they're talking about integrating, being able to leverage these vendors together is most important. E-mortgage is still hot. Um, Mm -hmm. I think a lot of folks are still trying to understand what e-mortgage is. There's definitely conversation around it, but e-mortgage is still a a hot topic. Funny enough, I spoke with multiple providers, some are partners of mine even, and there's a lot to do to get to where the industry would say we should be with e-mortgage. So that's all in process right now. Blockchain was discussed, but the conversation is it's not fully adopted, right? There's still a lot of folks that just don't know about it yet or 
where there's they know that some people are working on it, but people aren't ready to take on blockchain from the folks I spoke to. I also learned, David, we all knew this ahead of time, but lenders will pay for technology. I think mm. we used to say that you're going to nickel and dime me or death of a thousand cuts as far as how much do I have to pay per closed loan. I don't think that's so much of the case. They're conscious of that, right? So the lenders listening are probably saying, yeah, of course, we're conscious about it. But they'll pay for tech. They want to move the needle forward. The problem is it's got to be integrated and it's got to provide upfront ROI. And if you don't have upfront ROI, then, well, I don't really don't know. The vendors I'm working with are going to have this or when they get integrated, you call me. I'm seeing a lot of that and hearing a lot of that. Mm -hmm. And then, David, the other thing that I found was a lot of companies are top heavy. Sales and marketing, the folks that go to the conferences, they're moving around. They're talking to people. They're out there. They're drumming up partnerships and business. That's one of the great things about our industry is I can call a friend who's at a vendor and we can collaborate on a couple names and, and we immediately we can start marketing and start referring different folks to each other. But it's the execution that people are needing help on. And there's millions of people out of work. I know not millions are in mortgage out of work, but there's got to be some folks out there. And so I'll actually end this part of the segment with that specifically. I'm hiring and I know other people that are hiring. If you are a business analyst, if, if you can manage a product, if you're a product manager, if you're excellent at support, sales and marketing even, but more specifically those first ones, reach out. We've got a number of partners as well as even ourselves sometimes that are looking for help. You can reach me, Alan, A-L-L-E-N at TMS-advisors.com. But then David, let's on to the bigger part of the news, right? Going into the MBA conference, we had amazing news from our friends over at LBAware. Yes. They were acquired by Simple Nexus. For those of you that don't know either of these companies, you should, but if you don't, Simple Nexus now calls themselves a home ownership platform, and the acquisition is a first for Simple Nexus. Get this, they have a total of 325 employees now in 29 states, because we're all pretty mobile nowadays, from the two companies, and Simple Nexus will now serve with the combination from LBAWare, 425 lenders, which is a big wow. number, and dozens of mortgage technology integration partners. And it's pretty funny, I read what Lori had posted, or was part of the press release. And this was great. She said, together, LBAWare and Simple Nexus will be able to offer mortgage lenders even more than a sum of our parts and redefine not only the digital mortgage experience, but also the mortgage BI category. And I thought that was a great statement to sum of all parts. So yeah. congratulations to those two companies. We'll have to uh, have them on, David, to talk more about what they're going to be looking to do. Yeah. Uh, if and anyone remembers, back in January of 2019, LBAWare um, had an integration offering real-time compensation push notification through Simple Nexus to their users. And then finally, David, I wanted to mention this. There was a survey. It's just talking about staff in general. The survey has to do with the title is Staffing Shortages or Impacting Credit Unions, right? And it was a national survey, and they said that there's a widespread shortage of qualified personnel to manage critical back office functions, mm. ranging from fraud mitigation, dispute resolution, to regulatory compliance, mortgage and loan processing, and customer service, right? So there sure. is a need for technology technology to help, especially with small community banks and credit unions that can't leverage all the different technology solutions that are out there, but also for great folks on the backside of the office. So conference Good. was a great success as you, David. Yeah. I was curious to see what it would be like, and it was great. Everyone that I spoke to thought it was great as well. Well worth yeah. the time. Well, well worth the time. On Simple Nexus, we've got Kathleen Gates going to be coming out. She's the new CEO at Simple Nexus. Got a chance to sit down and talk to them. And I don't think it's premature. They've committed to becoming a sponsor of the podcast. So we're really excited about that and getting a chance to have Lori on, talk about what's going on But Simple Nexus. Nexus will be joining us as a sponsor. Very excited about that. Just got to get with David Bolin and 
is heading that up. Here's what's most interesting, Alan. Kathleen came out of Ellie Mae and was such a right. part of the culture that she created. There's culture agents. There's people that carry culture inside of a company. And Kathleen, obviously... You could tell by the people walking up to her, Kathleen, is, the company's just not the same since you left. I mean, and they went on and on affirming to her the type of leader she is and how she kept that group together or really was so instrumental in the leadership in, in such a dynamic way. And so, I mean, there was obviously many others there. Jonathan was mentioned numerous times on that. But it was really fun to sit there and talk with her and then get interrupted by ex-LMA members and uh, coming up saying, we miss you. I'm, I've got a job here now. I'm going over here. And so there's a lot of movement going in and out of Ellie Mae, one of which is Kathleen. And she's now over at Simple Nexus. I think she actually retired from Ellie Mae. She actually retired. So she got recruited away. She retired. She got talked out of coming out of retirement. So anyway, lots of good stuff. We can anticipate with these tech companies. Alan, your segment, like Matt's and like Alice's, gets downloaded and listened to so much. So I want to again thank you for your excellence in reporting what's going on, Alan, for your commitment to be here. Thank you as well. Fresh, great information. Good job, Ben. Appreciate you. Thank you. You bet. All right, folks, that wraps up this week's weekly update on what's going on in the mortgage industry. Next week, be sure to come back. Of course, we have so many loyal listeners. And again, thank you again to all of you, as we say in Texas, all of you all for stopping by and introducing yourselves and, and expressing your gratitude for this podcast. We're grateful to be a part of the way you get information and keep you up to date. Again, our goal is to bring you timely information in an audio format <laughs> that you can listen to anytime, anywhere, as we say at the beginning of the podcast. Appreciate you all so much. Special thank you goes out to our sponsors, Finastra, the Community Mortgage Lenders Association of America, the MBA, Lenders One, Accelerate Mobility, MMI, as well as Modex, the MBA, Knowledge Coop, the Mortgage Collaborative, and our newest sponsor, SnapDoc, soon to be falling out of the newest sponsor category because we're going to have Simple Nexus as a sponsor here shortly. So very excited to have you listening. Folks, we're grateful for our sponsors, but we're so amazingly grateful to our listeners. And it's you that has made this podcast so widely listened to. And we're thankful for each and every one of our listeners. Have a great week, everybody. Look forward to seeing you back here next week. You've been listening to Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update with your host, David Lickin of Transformational Mortgage Solutions. Join us next week. And thanks for listening.